Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. So good to have you with us this Monday, April 5th, 2021. I hope you guys all had a great Easter. I did. It's so much fun to be with family and friends. We kind of went different directions on this Easter, but it's, it's really good to hear about the various things that families do. And we hope you had a really great Easter holiday with your loved ones and friends. So anyway, good to have you with us this Monday morning. This podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, a commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And boy, do we have a good podcast for today, especially the hot topic. Alice has got so much really great information. Alan's got new insights for us. Matt's got some updated market information. And in the Hot Topic segment, we've got joining us my business partner and very good friend, Mark Helm. Fascinating background. He and I are the same age, we've been consulting, and we consult together. We're going to be talking about Fannie Freddie approvals. Going to touch on servicing. It's going to be more than we could possibly get to. But you're going to want to stay tuned to the Hot Topic for all that we have to talk about. I want to say thank you to Industry Syndicate for inviting us to participate with them. We're pleased to be part of this Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts on industrysyndicate.com. And be sure to go through that. By the way, we got a lot of feedback on the recruiting and cultivating leadership the last month. Go back and listen to those podcasts. Those are getting downloaded and shared, not quite like anything we've had here recently. So go back and listen to them if you haven't already done so. Had a great lineup of guests helping you to recruit the right people. And when we first organized that series, I was thinking with the market, we need to recruit. How do we recruit? What's the best practices? And now interest rates have climbed up and it's almost on the other side. Who do we keep on the team if we have to downsize it all? So that's uh, great information, and uh, be sure to go back and listen to it. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as the NASA, whose Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution has created an experience that powerfully helps lenders connect and simplify the borrowing experience, streamlining processes for their employees. Uh, great company, and be sure to check out the Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution at the Finastra.com website. Also, Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative supplied to be a part of both of these co-ops. They're a smaller group of companies of like-sized companies getting together, meeting and talking about best practices. Both of them do this. They have a slightly different focus and encourage you to check out. We're members of both of them. See value in both of these organizations. So check out LendersOne.com as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Pleased to be a part of that organization. Also, Alice's Old company, Indicom, partners with lenders and servicers and mortgage insurers and title insurance companies to achieve one 
specific goal, and that's to help them grow. Looking at all the various services, check out Indicom, I-N-D-E-C-O-M-M.com. Check that out as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend has this company called Incelerate. We love what they do because it helps you radically change the process, how you communicate and engage borrowers. The wisdom from that podcast that we recorded back on August 17th is just getting downloaded and shared like crazy. And then also when you're training people, consider the Knowledge Group solution. If you're looking at recruiting, be sure to use Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modix. Both of these companies complement each other. And uh, while they're direct competitors, they do a great job of really helping you zone in on the right talent for your company. So it fits nicely in with our series that we did over the last month. And also, special thanks to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions. Welcome to the Hot Topic segment of the Licking on Lending Podcast. It's April 5th, and we're excited to have my business partner joining us, Mark Helm. He's a very well-recognized name in the industry. Talking a little bit about leadership, his background, his journey. We're going to really get into the real meat of what we want to get into is the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae approval process, what's been going on there. And if we have time, we're going to get into a little bit uh, talking about loan servicing, but that probably is going to have to be another podcast. Mark, good to have you on the podcast, friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. Well, again, I can't believe anyone that's listening doesn't know who you are, but we are getting older and there's a new generation coming in, Mark. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, David, I don't seem to think we're getting older. I just think we're getting better. <laughs> I think that's a good way to say. Okay. I'm, I'm going to subscribe to that. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, well, I'm entering my 44th year in the mortgage banking industry. I have done everything except for two little things I'll talk about. But I started off as a branch manager, became an area manager, became a regional manager, made the move to loan operations and eventually to servicing, have been everything from a chief operating officer of a company to a president and CEO of a company, have enjoyed what I've done in the industry and enjoyed the challenges I've seen because I've been in so many different environments. I was with one company that specialized in damage servicing and cleaning it up. And that was an interesting assignment. I also worked for Washington Mutual, one of the largest services in the country with millions of loans. David keeps mentioning that I have my work nearly done on my doctorate in psychology and I do. And I never dreamed that would come in handy to had 2,800 employees and it comes in real handy and dealing with all the things we have to do with employees. But, um, the only two things in the industry that I haven't managed directly, but I have been responsible for being the president and chief operating officer of different companies is directly managing capital markets and directly being mm-hmm. a CPA. I've never been my own CFO. Don't intend to do that, ever want to do that. There's good people that can do that. I can hire. And the other side is in capital markets. I've just always had really good people support me in that area. I have been very, very fortunate in my 44 years. I have learned so much from the people I work with, and I've had the ability to be at the right place at the right time and work in many environments where I got educated by some of the best. And some of those people are retired now. Some have been recently presidents and CEOs of their own companies, and some are still actively involved in the industry as consultants. So along my journey, I will have to tell you that I can't say enough about the relationships I've developed and what I've learned from my counterparts. And it's amazing how we still talk frequently, many of us on the phone about things and over each other's resources and uh, listening ear to issues that come up in the consulting business or with companies. So that makes it a really great industry to be a part of. 
David wanted me to mention that when I was president and CEO of my last company, it was a reverse mortgage company. My partners and I put a very small amount of money into the company and formed that company and then became the largest Ginnie Mae issuer for reverse mortgages in the country. And five and a half years later, sold our company for over $100 million. And with the help of a private equity firm, it was our partner on it. And that's allowed me to do something uniquely different. I, I don't have to do what I do. I do because I want to give back to the industry. It, it was good to me, very good to me. And I want to give back my experience and my ability to advise people to grow their companies the right way. So I consider myself not to be just a mortgage banker, but an entrepreneur, because it takes entrepreneurship in our business for people to make the right kind of decisions to pilot their company in the right directions. And so I hope to facilitate that process as I work with people in our industry. And David has allowed me to do that through the many things we've done together. Yeah, it's such an honor to have you be a part of the team and be partnered with you, Mark. I value you. And to know that you are just a few degrees short of a PhD in psychology, family counseling is just astounding. Did you ever think that that would ever come to to be such a powerful tool in mortgage lending with all the drama that goes in this? I can only imagine that has been a very effective education and much more practical than some might otherwise have thought. Well, it's interesting you uh, asked that question, David, because I look at what you do, and I know you do a lot of it in coaching with companies, and really you do what is a derivative, what I have the ability to do, and you do it quite effectively with many companies that need the coaching to grow the right way and for the partnerships to get along, et cetera. And I've realized more and more as I go out on assignment, sometimes you've got to apply a little bit of that, uh, little bit of that psychological background to the situations mm-hmm. you're in to get people motivated in the right directions and point out things to them uh, where they can see the direction themselves, where it's not you're giving a lecture and saying this is the thing you need to do, et cetera, et cetera. It actually becomes a cumulative effect of you interfacing together with the people to share your knowledge and be able to give them some constructive direction to be successful in our industry. So I think the psychology piece with me has been an integral element in making me successful in the industry, and I don't think I'd be here today doing the things I'm doing if I hadn't had that educational background and done the work I've done in the past with that. Well, I've certainly seen the benefit of that education and training as we've worked to help people get their Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny May approvals. Before Mark, you and I teamed up and partnered up here in a Transformational Mortgage Solutions, I did a lot of those approvals. I've had different ones helping me with it, and, and we were batting a 1,000, but that's back what seems now we're looking back in the easy days because things have changed dramatically in getting the GSE approvals, Fannie and Freddie, as well as Jenny May, and I want to really focus the rest of our podcast time on it. For those that are considering becoming approved, what would you say? Is this a great move? Is this something that you should just give it up? It's just too difficult? Or what would you say to those considering getting a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac approval? It's a journey, not a short trip. Yep. And I subscribe to a little philosophy I had for a long time in telling people they can do a self-assessment of they're ready to apply. The people have to be honest with themselves. They have to really be honest about what their company's doing and what they believe the future is going to be. They have to be very accurate at what they do and the information they provide to agencies. And last but not least, they need to own the process. They need to show some tenacity in the process. And if a person and their management team can subscribe to that, I think they can realistically sit down and evaluate themselves with the help maybe of others of whether or not they should be applying. I will have to tell you that there are a lot of people that shouldn't be applying. So one of the things that we do First off, we do an assessment. We have a uh, lender application form that you and I talked about and we develop. And we give that 
questionnaire form to the lenders and they fill it out. And from that and certain reports they give to us, we sit down and go back to them and tell them where we think their weaknesses are and where their strengths are and whether they should apply. Some of the agencies have some requirements now that require years <laughs> worth of thing, like Jenny May requires you to have serviced uh, loans for a few years that had performing and non-performing characteristics, both of those. They also require you to have a portfolio that averaged $250 million a month for the 12-month preceding your application date. So a lot of people are blocked out for a period of time till they meet those requirements out there. But the real thing is trying to figure out what people want to do and what they need, because the relationships with the GSEs are not necessarily, you don't need all three if you're certain lenders you need, is there one better for you than others? There could be. It all depends. Could you get approved by one and not get approved by other? Yes, you could. And what we do, and, and David, we're still batting a 1,000, as you know, but yep. our goal is really to make sure we review the information. And if a person's, in our opinion, is not going to get approved, we tell them. And we, we'll tell them why we don't think they're going to get approved. Can't stop them from applying if they want to. But I think we know what the checklist looks like the agency is looking for. And we think we're good advisors on that and help them build to and being competent to be approved. And so that's our mission in life is making sure we give the right kind of advice to our clients so they don't end up having a disapproval on their record with one of the agencies that they've applied to. So if we accomplish that and eventually get people to finish line, I feel like we've been successful. As one of our listeners, Rose, says, I, I don't believe that you're batting a 1,000. Here's the answer, listeners. If we're batting a 1,000 on every application, we recommend they submit. There are some people that have applied. We said, you're not ready. They've gone and in, run around, and gone and tried to get it themselves, and they have been turned down. And so we don't submit every application. We're not going to submit you unless we feel that you are ready and we'll work with you. And sometimes, like you said, Mark, it's a journey. Talk a little bit about how things have changed. What you and you, you and I both, uh, while well, we had our own independent mortgage banking companies, we could talk so much more about that journey. And there's so many great stories in that. But you had your Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac approvals, Jenny Mae approvals. And it was a lot different back then getting that approval than what we're seeing today. Give us some insights into what are the GSEs specifically looking for in experience that they didn't previously? I think the biggest thing is early on when you were getting approved by the GSE, you'd fill out the documentation, submit it, and you get an approval. And then it would be a little while before you really heard from anybody. Most of the process up front was you learning how to board loans and, and do the transaction. And then sometimes you might go for a while without getting an audit from them to come in and then they look at your internal audits and things like that. So what's different nowadays is the GSEs have a reality of looking at you to make sure you have appropriate expertise internally to handle loans that are performing and non-performing, non-performing being the most critical, that you basically have, have some kind of size portfolio that's meaningful. I mean, the last thing they want to do is give you an approval and have you never deliver loans to them? And right. so some of the requirements from the GSEs is required. If you don't deliver loans over a period of time, your GSE approval might go away. They're looking for that inherent experience you have by having a, a certain size portfolio there. They're also looking for you to have robust quality control programs, both for your servicing and your origination. And the most impact we have right now, if anything, is the fact they want to see that you have a servicing oversight staff internally. And they want that servicing oversight staff to have not only the default management, which I think is critical, but also the servicing oversight experience and then investor management, investor reporting, investor accounting, and cash management internal to your operations. 
Unfortunately, that position is very hard to recruit in one person because usually servicing professionals that come up through the ranks generally don't have default experience and servicing accounting experience inside the same person unless you're looking for somebody who managed those one level up. And sometimes the management one level up doesn't have the depth of experience that the agencies would like to have. So in many cases, having a servicing oversight staff might mean you've got multiple people, some with the accounting expertise and some with the, the default management and general servicing expertise. That's the biggest change, and that is a change that's out there. Maybe not a change completely. It was always kind of there, yeah. but it's been documented now, and people are looking at it. So, And all the GSAs are looking at that. Every one of them wants to see what's your experience, your people looking at resumes. When we do an application, it goes back to what we talked about, about the honesty. One of the first things we do, we get the resumes of the people that work for a company, and we work those resumes to make sure they put the right foot forward. But also, we're making sure that it's thoroughly accurate, and they show the expertise of what they've dealt with. And we know that in doing that, then the GSEs in the application process or whoever they might be using to help them in it, either internally or externally, can look at it and say, let's check the block on these guys because they have the experience that they have on that. And that's the most critical piece. If you don't have the financials, if you don't have the net worth and those things, you don't have a robust quality control plan. Right. There's a lot of other reasons you get knocked out, but get out of the gate. you got to have the experience they're looking for that they want to take you on as somebody to provide them loans that you're going to service either through your own servicing you set up or through a subservicer. And a lot of people think, well, I'll just hire someone on a temporary basis that has that in their background. It's got to be recent experience. Talk about the challenge you've had trying to find people with adequate experience, especially with all the approval requests that are coming at us. That's been a challenge, hasn't it, Mark? It, it certainly has. And even though we don't consider ourselves to be recruiters, that's not our mainstay. We know people in the industry, mm-hmm. and it's been very, very difficult. I liken this comparison. It's harder to find people with the right kind of experience to be in a servicing oversight position today than it is to find a really, really good tenured underwriter. And I think everybody on the podcast would probably recognize what I'm saying when I say that because it is so hard right now to find that tenured experience in servicing oversight where people actually have the hands-on experience in the different areas that we have. And that's a very expensive position to hire nowadays. No. Uh, I've seen those that are high six-figure positions right now, high meaning more than 100000 but probably less than 200 But they're out there, but most of them are in jobs somewhere else. So you got to find somebody that is willing to make a change. And a lot of these positions, they have to be, for the most part, full-time, certainly with Freddie Mac and applications recently and Jenny May, they're looking for full-time. And when you do that on a full-time basis, a lot of the people are working remote in this position, and that's what the companies are using to entice them, saying, we got to have you full-time, but you can work remote, so we're not going to ask you to relocate from Maine to South Florida, from California to Texas, or whatever the case right. might be. So we're finding people that way, but I get asked every day, do you know somebody that I can hire for this position, and who would you recommend? And I'd have to say to those people asking me that question, so I'm hunting those people just as much as you are right now for other clients that need to find somebody. Yep, That's, It's probably one of the biggest challenges, and that is a big factor now. If you do not have the experience, you're not on board. We're hired as an employee. You're not going to get approved. Talk about what it takes to get a JDMA approval and some of your experiences there. Well, I, I would have to say that they had some changes, and it's the well-thought-out changes. They came out with some changes to the regs in December of last year, and it 
caught us with a bunch of people in the application process that we had to stand down and say, we're going to have to try a little bit later. And I've talked about a number of those things that they uh, brought up on that. They want that full-time servicing oversight people, a person with that experience, not only in default management and also investor accounting or multiple people filling that role. They want it to be full-time. They want to have a year's worth of servicing of uh, average balance of $250 million a month for the year preceding your application. They want to have two years' experience of you servicing loans, both in a uh, performing and non-performing statute. They're looking for in-house management. They don't want two officer companies. They want a minimum of three officer companies that can have layered officers that focus on the Ginnie Mae relationship. You know, Ginnie Mae is just like any GSE, and they want to make sure they're protecting what they do and make sure they're protecting the industry. So they're making sure that we don't let people in the gate that don't qualify, but at the same time, we've got to give them accurate rules to follow as what we're needing. So they've done a really good job at Ginnie Mae of outlining what they need in the program now for approval. Now, we still look at tons of other things inside those applications. Net right. worth, they want to see volumes of origination and state footprint, state licenses, and it goes on and on. Uh, my checklist that I use for a Ginnie Mae approval has 34 items that we put together and has another 20 items that we found are questions that Ginnie Mae comes back and asks an application, which we have our clients now go ahead and prepare that information too because they're probably going to get asked for it. In comparison, we have less of a number that we do for Freddie Mac, but they come back and ask questions too. And with Fannie Mae, and they come back and ask questions. So what we've done over the past couple of years, we've put together some very good documentation so we can ask the questions before you get asked by Freddie, Fannie, or Jenny in an application process. And that's what brings our value on because we've touched so many folks. And we're right now monitoring about four or five clients that will apply to sometime in the future for their approvals. And they're going to do that based on your, them meeting hurdles that they need to to know that they can get approved. And I reiterate what David said. Yes, we might have 100% uh, approval rate. And that's great. But the reason why we do is we're not going to let somebody go down a path and get disapproved because of something basic. There might be something in the future where the GSA disagrees with our opinion about the person or they might not agree with the information that was submitted was adequate enough to get approved. We might have one turned down. We haven't yet. But the most important thing, we're doing our level best to make sure that everybody that we help fill out applications, send it in, has done everything they can to put their best foot forward and show to the GSAs that they should be approved and they merit being approved to deliver loans to those agencies. And if we do our job, then they can do their job. Yeah, we always tell people, if you're interested in this, just working and submit you, find someone else. If you're interested in getting approved, then you'll definitely want to work with us. We're not interested in just so many packages and throw them against the wall. We're going to either, we're going to choose to get you approved. We're going to choose not to be involved. Alice, any questions as you listen to this discussion of working with the GSEs? Now, I know Union Home has all their approvals. I've had them for some time. But what comes to mind as you listen to this discussion, Alice? Well, a couple of things. Having uh, worked with clients in the past and worked with you, Dave, as they're large and small trying to figure out what the best strategy is, I just want to reiterate the difference in getting someone who will get you approved in that first submission is you, you can't even really put words to how valuable that is because it's 
really you're just going to be missing the mark on some of the key things that they're going to have questions about, like you guys have talked about. The other thing is just impression and reputation, right? That's part of the package. And you look like you've got your act together, even in submitting it. If you can't get that package right, they're concerned about, can you even get the rest of the docs right that they're going to be getting from you? So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in of uh, how valuable it is to get the support and experience. So thank you both for what you do. But my question for you, if you're a lender who's just starting out, you've got to pick who's first. Do I go with Fannie or Freddie as my first ticket that I want to try and get? Jenny may usually second because it's a full issuer, but I'd love your thoughts on where does someone start first? I, I can give you my thoughts on that. I, I recommend Freddie first, Fannie second, and Jenny third. And I recommend that if you're filling out your Freddie, some of the information you're gathering is the same for Fannie. So you'd be gathering that and knowing that you might have to update some of it. And I would get your Freddie Mac approval done, and I would get some deliveries under your belt for a few months. And then I would apply for Fannie Mae uh, because you'll you know, give you another level of execution you can do. And then do the same thing there. Once you get it submitted, the minute you get your approval, do a few months of deliveries to Fannie Mae. And I can't say that's two months, six months, or nine months, or a year. I'm saying a few months. And then it depends on your size. If you're big enough that you can do those multiple deliveries and do fairly large ones over a period of time, you can move on and then apply for your Jenny because Jenny likes to look at your other approvals you have. Years ago, it was never written in a book, but not that many years ago, Jenny May kind of looked at you and said, you got to have your Fannie Mae approval before you, we approve you. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they basically, they didn't say that, but that's what was there. It was kind of like, they're using Fannie Mae's approval as a precursor to given consideration for a Jenny Mae approval, you know. And then we said, of course, that Fannie Mae was always for the mortgage bankers and Freddie Mac was always for the other folks that are out there. And we've had things break down like that. But I definitely, that's what I would recommend and that's what I recommend to my clients. And I stick to it. And it's amazing, though, how many clients I have already have their Fannie Mae approval and are trying to get their Freddie Mac. Because we'll have a lot of that. And and I will tell you, too, that about 20% of our clients that we have on the shelf right now are people that did go out and work up their application on their own and got turned down. And now we're helping them work through that process to put a package together so they can be approved. And some of it's waiting for a while so they get the portfolio right and other things they're doing. But uh, we do have a a backlog of folks that are kind of on the bench right now that we're working hard to get them packages together where we think they can get approved. Is it kind of like you started a home improvement project without getting the right contractors? And <laughs> it is now so it's like twice yeah. as much root work and the fees go up. Uh, sometimes it can be uh, starting a home improvement uh, project before you realize the floor is falling in on the house. Right. <laughs> and it's so point. There's a lot of people out there that are into helping you apply. There's not a lot of people that have the knowledge to make sure you get approved. And I think that's really the point you're driving to, Alice, which is really good. And Mark, tell the story that we have a client, we won't mention their name, who their CFO came to the president and says, we're not using this Jenny May approval. Let's just get rid of it. It costs us time. We have to, you know, let's just turn it in. And And he convinced, foolishly convinced, the owner of the company, the president, CEO, to you know relinquish his Jenny May approval, and then of course the markets <laughs> turned around for you. Liquidity was an issue earlier this year, or this last year, and he needed it back. And he says, "Oh no problem, I'll just go get it." 
I'll just go back. I just had it. Talk about that story because I think that's one that drives home a point. Well, that yeah. that lender went back to get their approval and got turned down. And then mm-hmm. right after they got turned down, one of the main reasons they got turned down was not having the service and oversight person. So they hired a very, very good servicing oversight person, one of the best ones in the industry that I know of, a long-term friend of mine. And then, then the rules changed. The rules changed in December, yeah, yeah. and and they did not meet some of those requirements under the rule changes. So now they're in a kind of a holding pattern, and they got a good man on board as their uh, servicing oversight person. So they'll be there, and they will get their approval. There's no doubt in my mind about it. But right. there's no grandfathering on anything mm-hmm. but Jenny May because you had been approved at one time before or anything like that. It's all by the regulation, and the new rules have been established. Yeah, so they got they got double whammied, so to speak. Yeah, and <laughs> you mean you had said the thing, Dave, that I had approval. I just no problem. Let's give it back to me. Let me have my approval back. Nope, sorry, not work out that way. That opens the whole topic, and we're going to wrap it up with just touching base on loan servicing. You serviced, or you chaired the committee for the MBA on mortgage servicing for years, and so you're probably one of the recognized most foremost of thirty authorities on loan servicing. And we're going to have to have you back to cover that topic and in depth. But for those that are considering loan servicing, what would you say to them in light of recent market developments? I will tell you this. I will tell you that loan servicing is not for everyone. Okay. It's an elongated process. You got to make decisions whether you, you can grow fast enough to bring it in house or you're going to use a subservicer. Every subservicer is a little bit different. It can be different to suit the type of portfolio you have, regional-based subservicing. Some have better automation than others. So there's a process, and the process is you got to make the decision on cost-benefit of whether you want to get into the servicing business, assuming you're going to do subservicing first. And then you got to decide, is subservicing something I'm going to live with the whole time I'm a servicer, or is subservicing something I'm only going to do for a year, and then when I get to X number of loans, I bring them in-house? I know how many loans that is when you should think about bringing it in-house, okay? I can help people, you know, guide on that. That's what we kind of do. But I think the most important thing about the servicing environment is that people don't realize it's a real piece of functionary that you have internal to the mortgage banking industry. And just because you have your loan subserviced by someone else do not mean you're relieved from the responsibilities from GSEs of servicing oversight of quality control that you do yourself, of audits that you do yourself. Because just because you have a subservicer who has quality control, does internal audits, and reports to you every month what they've done with your portfolio and some foundation, that does not give you a pass. So just remember that even when you're doing subservicing, you're still the servicer record and you still have to do those other things. And people don't know that. People actually get into the servicing business and don't touch their servicing portfolio till they get an audit from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And then they say, oh, I was supposed to do that? We're getting a lot of questions, and we don't have time for Mark, which means we're just going to have to roll that whole servicing discussion into another podcast, which we're going to have you on back here fairly soon to get into that, because it is something. There is great value in that asset. I mean, you retain servicing. It is a real value. It's an asset. It's one that can expand and contract. You can hedge it. You can manage it. But it isn't for everybody, and I think everyone – needs to realize that and hear all of your experience. So can't wait to have you back, Mark, to talk about loan servicing. Got a couple of questions coming in on approvals right now. Um, so here's one question. Mark, are you telling us that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, we can't apply directly, that it's best to work with someone? I think you can do it yourself, but I, I would suggest you follow my hat 
the honesty, accuracy, and the tenacity to get it done because it's mm-hmm. something you got a window you got to get it done in once you start the process and go online yep. with your application. And you've got to be honest about your information. Don't stretch the truth because they can read through reports and all and tell that. Make sure you're right. And accuracy is the same way. You need to accurately represent what you've been doing with your portfolio. We've developed a business to help people get their approvals and do it quicker. A friend of mine used to use the terminology, better, quicker, faster. And all sales redundant, but better, quicker, faster. That's what we kind of believe in, better, quicker, faster, because we've lived the battle ourselves in our own careers, and we know how to put this information together, and we're very professional about it. And if you don't want to go through that learning curve internally to have to do that on a one-off for an approval for an agency, we'll be glad to help you. If you want to do that yourself, if you follow my rules, <laughs> yep. that honesty, accuracy, yep. and tenacity, you can get it done. That's very good, Mark. I'm chuckling as I think about some of the resumes that they've put in packages. So we do pick up a lot of people after they've tried to get approved. They got in decline, and so that's when we'll pick it up. And then you read the resumes that they submitted, and you go, I'm proficient in, and then you look at what's there, and they're going, oh, my gosh, it is knitting all the way through to some of the craziest stuff. Well, and it's like a, a good yeah. loan package. you got to put your story together well and have it. Those three defining values. To you that the agencies don't care whether you have word perfect experience. Yes, that's the one. I've got word perfect experience. So I'm qualified to get a Jenny May or Fanny May Freddie Jenny approval. That was so funny. Anyway, Mark, thank you so much for taking time to join us. How can people get a hold of you, Mark? Get a hold of me. Yeah. Well, yeah. they can get me at Mark at TMS dash advisors dot com, which is our email address at TMS. And hey, I wear my cell phone on my hip. Anybody got yeah. a question about anything, they can call me at seven one three two oh three. 0031. And I will get back to you fairly quickly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate it very much for you being here. We've had Mark Helm, industry expert, talking about getting approved of the GSEs, Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny May. It's a journey that you do need help with, folks. And we encourage you to get a hold of Mark. We're honored to be able to work together. And it's such a pleasure to work with someone who has got the experience and the integrity. It's what's a big part of it for me. Integrity and quality character. Tell people sometimes the emperor's probably not fully dressed and you're not ready. You're going to be embarrassed if you go in front of the GSEs and looking like that. So that's what we're here to help you. So don't hesitate to call us, get a hold of us. Next week, we got Kevin Crichton coming on. We're going to be focusing on positioning yourself for a post-pandemic industry in 2021. Kevin's been in the industry for a long, long time. Anyone who knows Kevin Crichton, he is a, a true leader and a true forward thinker. And I can't wait to get his thoughts next week on the podcast. Say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Indicom, Incelerate. Mobility, MMI, as well as Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, Lenders One. And the Mortgage Collaborative. Thanks so much, everybody, for being on the podcast today. Share this around, and we look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.